This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. For the first time this year, we are presenting the Hockey Hotbed. I hope everybody had a really good New Year's and a New Year's Eve, and they rang in the New Year the right way, because now it is January 4th, and we're off and running on 2022. I got a great episode for you guys today. I want to simply start with one thing. Usually, I do a coast-to-coast segment where I talk about the biggest storylines across the NHL and We all know the biggest storyline, and it's still teams dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, dealing with the Omicron virus, and that's still true. The NHL has shifted its protocols. We talked about that last week. So nothing new on that front, just teams still dealing with it. But there's one storyline that I really need to talk about, and that's where we're going to start today. But I also want to tease that later in the show, we're going to be giving our power rankings 4.0. For the month of January of 2022. It's the first episode of the month, so you know I gotta get my power rankings in. We'll do that starting in the second segment with our 10 through 6 selections there, and then of course we'll end it out with 5 through 1. But before we get into all of that, I need to start by talking about what is happening currently to the Edmonton Oilers. Coming into this season, you look at the Oilers and you say, all right, it seems like they really need to figure it out sooner rather than later, because how much longer is Connor McDavid really going to sit here and play for a team that he's not getting any help on? And now I understand that Leon Dreisettle's there, and they are two of probably the top five, if not the two best players in the National Hockey League right now. But at the same time, when you look at the rest of that lineup and what it has been since McDavid got there, I mean, you had Taylor Hall for a while, but that never really worked out. You had Jordan Eberle there for a while, but that really never worked out. I mean, you had Nail Yakupov as a number one overall pick. That clearly didn't work out because he's not even in the league anymore. The only guy that has really worked out with those two has been Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And he's been all right. He hasn't been great. He has been all right. Now, you look at this season coming in. The Oilers, last year, they had a good year in the North Division. And you thought, okay, getting back to the Pacific Division... It's kind of a mixed bag. We don't know what we're going to get. I think overall the Pacific Division has been better than I expected coming into the season. And Edmonton early on was right along with that. The Oilers were great out of the gates. It helped that Conor McDavid scored a point in every single game for the first, I don't know, quarter of the season. First eighth of the season, he scored a point in every game. Leon Dreisaitl was right there with him, scoring almost in every game, scoring multiple points per game. And it's not like they're not doing that still. I mean, those two are still playing at a pretty good pace and still scoring at a really good pace. But the team has just started to shut down. So early on in the season, what did you have? You had Zach Hyman starting really, really well in his first year in Edmonton. You thought, okay, you added Warren Fogle from from Carolina. That might help. And the question still remained, you know, how good is this defense? You added Duncan Keith. Really old defenseman, but we'll see what he does. You traded away Ethan Bear in the 
Warren Fogle deal that brought him back. Okay, what does that do? You bring in a guy like Cody Cece, who had a really good year for Pittsburgh last year. You assign him to a really big contract, so you hope he can replicate that. And then you don't do anything in net. And that's where, right now, I'm looking at this. You have Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen, and Stuart Skinner. Those are the three guys that have been backstopping the Edmonton Oilers this year. And early on, they were holding down the fort good enough for this Edmonton team to be one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. Do I think they can get back to that? Yeah, probably, because you have two of the best players in the league. But if you look at their recent stretch here, they've lost 10 of their last 12 games dating back to early December. They've allowed three or more goals in all but one of those games. So the question, or the answer, I should say, to the question, what's wrong with the Edmonton Oilers? They can't keep the puck out of their own net. That's the problem. Their defense and their goaltending has not been good enough for the Stars to cover up their woes. And that's what it was early on in the season. It was the defense and Stuart Skinner and Miko Koskinen holding down the fort just enough that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and to a point, guys like Jesse Puglia-Yarvi and Zach Hyman, to be able to get them over the hump because they were just scoring a bunch of goals. But now, I mean, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, Zach Hyman, they've obviously leveled out a little bit more. McDavid and Dreisaitl, instead of going for two points per game, now they're down to just simply a point per game, which most people would take that. Most people would love to have two players playing at a point-per-game pace. But you see the reason that this team has struggled is because they need McDavid and Dreisaitl to play at that ungodly number for them to be a top team in this league. And that's just not where they're at right now. I mean, I talked about 10 out of their last 12. McDavid has 13 points in the last 12 games. It hasn't helped. Dreisaitl has scored 11 points in the last 12 games. It hasn't helped. This team has dropped in the standings, albeit they have games in hand on a couple of the teams above them. But they've dropped down to, I believe, fourth place now in the division, if not fifth. Let me double-check that really quickly. But it is not a good sign whenever you need your star players to play at record-breaking paces for you to keep pace in a Pacific division that you look early in the season, Vegas is the top team in the division. Now, Vegas was not good. Anaheim is better than them. Calgary. And Calgary has three games in hand on the Edmonton Oilers. So the Oilers now sit seven points out of first place. They are closer to the LA Kings, the San Jose Sharks, and the Vancouver Canucks than they are to the top three in the division. If you would have said that a month ago, the outset of December, how about when the Oilers beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-2 on home ice? Connor McDavid had a four-point game. When that happened, if you would have said, yeah, in a month's time, they're going to be closer to the Vancouver Canucks than they are to the top of the division. I would have laughed in your face. But yet, here we are. The Canucks are climbing up on them, and part of that's in large part due to Boost Boudreau and the turnaround of the Canucks that we've talked about a lot on this show. But what's happening in Edmonton, listen, one month doesn't make a season. They're still obviously in contention. But what you're seeing right now from the Edmonton Oilers is more along the lines of what the Edmonton Oilers are supposed to look like. Do I think that, you know, Stuart Skinner and Miko Koskinen and that held together by duct tape defense is going to be able to get them into the postseason? Yeah, I think when you look at the, the Western Conference, it'd be a shame to not see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the postseason. But the way they're playing right now, 
They're losing ground. They're getting closer to the bottom of the conference than they are to the top. And these other teams are starting to get better throughout the season, whereas the Oilers are taking steps back. You know, the Anaheim Ducks are still playing really good hockey. The Calgary Flames, they have games in hand, and they're always, they're going to play, they're going to play Daryl Sutter hockey all year long. Like, they're not going to change too much. And then the Vegas Golden Knights. You had a chance to take advantage of Vegas being bad early in the season. Now they're better, they're healthier, and they still have Jack Eichel coming up. And we'll talk about that when we get to our power rankings, because for the first time since our inaugural power rankings, I have Vegas back in there. There's a little tease right there. But when I look at the Edmonton Oilers, what do they need to do? I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, the answer is, what what do they need to do? They needed to do more in the offseason. They needed to get goaltending. They needed to improve their defense more and not go out and get a guy like Duncan Keith. So at this point, you're going to be plugging holes all year long. You know, it's not the end. McDavid and Drysdale, listen, they could go back to being two points per game after this. I wouldn't be surprised, and the Edmonton Oilers could level out and start getting closer to the top of their division, but... For a team that early on in the season was basically running away with the Pacific Division, it was them in Calgary and no one else. For them to be now in fourth place and getting closer to the San Jose Sharks of the world, the Vancouver Canucks of the world, it's not a good look for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm going to take a quick break, but when I return, we're going to kick off the new year with a new set of power rankings. I'll be right back. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. The NHL got rid of ties back in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or order, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Great odds and even better opportunities. It is the first episode of the new month, so you know what that means. It is time for the Hockey Hotbed Power Rankings 4.0 for the month of January 2022. Let's get it all started right here with number 10. Number 10. I'm going with the Calgary Flames. And this is a team that I have had high in my power rankings for the past two months. They've been around five, six for the past couple of months because I was just very impressed with one, Jacob Markstrom, first and foremost. And two, the way that certain players were stepping up. I mean, Andrew Mangiapane on the road is just 
I mean, anytime goal scorer at DraftKings Sportsbook, that's basically a win whenever the Calgary Flames are playing away from the Saddle Dome. Andrew Mangiapane for anytime goal scorer. So, I mean, he has been really good. I love what I'm seeing out of guys like Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau this season. I mean, this is a team that came into the year losing their captain in the expansion draft in Mark Giordano, yet they have not missed a beat when it comes to the leadership of that room. I mean, it, part of it is Daryl Sutter. He's a guy that, listen, you buy into this, and if you get the buy-in, which the Flames, I believe, have, you're going to play well. And if you have the players to play in that system, it's going to go well for you. And the Calgary Flames have done just that this season. But in the past month, I've, I've kind of cooled on my thoughts on the Calgary Flames. I had them at 5 in, at the beginning of December. I have them now at 10, losing 5 spots, because when I look at it, that style of play, and I look at the rest of the league, the way that they're starting to advance and the way that some of these teams are starting to play, I think Calgary's starting to fall behind. And I also think that you're starting to see Jacob Markstrom, not a whole lot, but you're starting to see him come back down to reality just a little bit. Now, there was not really any real danger of Calgary falling out of the top 10 here and out of my power rankings, but I had to give a little bit of consideration, and this is an honorable mention, which I don't usually do, to the Anaheim Ducks. I haven't put them in my power rankings at all this year. They've had a fantastic season, and they've been really, really good, surpassing any expectations that I had of them at all. I mean, Trevor Zegras gets Rookie of the Month in December. He's probably going to be top three, if not Rookie of the Year, and that team is playing really well, but I cannot put them over the Calgary Flames, even though they currently sit over the Flames in the standings. The Flames do have, I believe, five games in hand on Anaheim, so... I fully expect the Flames to be able to, to make up that ground, probably get up into the second or first place in the division by mid-January. So I do have them down at number 10, but I do still believe that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with the rest of this season, and especially once you get into you know, the end of the year and playoffs. I'm excited to see what they also do, and Bradtree Living does, who's the general manager up there, around the trade deadline, because I think they could use another scoring piece up there. I'm not really sure what their assets are looking like to try to trade for it. But number 10 goes to the Calgary Flames. Number nine. I have the Minnesota Wild. I thought about moving them up a little bit more. I thought about taking them out of the power rankings entirely because they have just had a really, really bad month up there in Minnesota. I mean, capped off by the fact that they got pretty much just shelled in the first Winter Classic game in the state of hockey. I mean, 6-2 to two, to a division rival in the St. Louis Blues that you then also give up seeding and and give up the first place throne in the Central Division currently. I mean, it was just a really bad month for Minnesota Wild and that team. I know I got I got shelled on Twitter for having them only at number 10 last month. Well, they went out and kind of proved me right as they underperformed all of December. They had a really rough go of things. I mean, part of that is also they were dealing with their own COVID issues. Everybody was, though, in the National Hockey League. That's no longer a handicap in the National Hockey League. You can't say this team, you need to take into consideration that they've dealt with COVID because pretty much all 32 teams across the National Hockey League have now dealt with it and had several players out of their regular roster missing time due to that variant and due to the Omicron variant and everything that goes with it. But as of right now, as of this recording, the Minnesota Wild have lost five straight games. And in the middle of that, they've had five games postponed. So it has not been good. It has been a long time since the Minnesota Wild have added two points to the standings. Their last win was on December 9th. It is now January 4th. Going that long 
Honestly, I'm surprised I kept them in here. Looking at that stat alone, the fact that they haven't won in almost a calendar month, even though it's only five games, and they were at number 10 before, I'm surprised I didn't take them out, especially when there's teams like Nashville that have been really good and teams like Pittsburgh that have been really good. So Minnesota goes up one spot from number 10 to number nine. I do think that looking at this roster, it's still probably the second best roster in the Central Division. I have to I have to put it there, but I still I mean obviously I still go with the Colorado Avalanche. They're starting to figure it out. They haven't really moved up the standings too too much. Now they're in the top four again, but like Minnesota, I have them as one of the top two or three rosters in the central, and I think that's a team that will figure it out eventually. It also doesn't hurt now or it doesn't help now that their goaltender Mac or Cam Talbot is out indefinitely with an injury. So a lot of this is gonna be on Capo Kakinen to try to turn things around here in January. Because if they continue to fall, I'm not going to say their their playoff hopes are in jeopardy because I think they're a good enough team to overcome it. But their seeding is going to go down the toilet if they have another bad month. And they're a team that's going to be looking to add at the trade deadline as well. I would imagine they're probably looking for a little bit of help on the offensive side of things because their defense is really good. Their goaltending is pretty solid. Cam Talbot's had a good year. So this is a team that I think, trusting-wise, I trust them to go get things right. But as of right now, I have them sitting here at number nine. Number eight. The Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know what to make of this team. They haven't played a lot of hockey. They've only played one game in the past six weeks, really. And that was a six to nothing win against Ottawa. So for what we've seen, they're still a really good team. But I just haven't seen them. That's why I dropped them two spots from last month to this month, from six to eight. Because... You look at that team, it's what it's been for the past three years, right? It's a team led by Austin Matthews, by John Tavares, by William Nylander, by Mitch Marner. And then they rely heavily on one goaltender, and that's been Jack Campbell this year. And he's stepped up to the plate and played really well. But again, it's the same formula. I'm not judging this based on how I think they're going to do in the playoffs, because if I was, I don't know if I have Toronto in the top 10 right now in Stanley Cup contenders. Just because I don't know how much I can trust them once we get into best of seven series instead of just random games. But as far as this power rankings is concerned, it is really hard to judge a team how they are in the past couple of months when they've only played one game in the past six weeks. So we look at that. We have to see. It does help them that all these games are getting rescheduled right as they had one of their best players in Mitch Marner injured. It allows him to come back and try to rehab that injury without missing as many games. So that is a positive for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the negative is the second half of this season is going to be so condensed. You're going to start to see basically the schedule look exactly like for Toronto what it was last season for every team in the NHL. It's going to be a lot of back-to-backs. There's going to be a lot of makeup games. You're going to be staying you know, home and homes with teams. You're going to be playing teams games back-to-back twice in a row. And... It's going to be a tough stretch for the Toronto Maple Leafs to get through. Do I think they have the the talent? Do I think they have the roster to be a top team in this league? Yeah, of course I do. But when I look at this team and I look at what their schedule is going to look like, it's not going to be an easy stretch for them. So I have them at eighth currently because I also haven't seen them play really at all. Only one game in the past six weeks. That's the only notes I have down here because they really haven't done anything. So they sit at number eight. Hard to move them up. When they haven't played. So, Toronto Maple Leafs are number eight. Number seven. 
Moving up two spots from the December power rankings, it's the New York Rangers. I feel like I'm tentatively moving them up these power rankings. Last month was the first time I had them in there. Because I was crying, oh, hot start, we'll see if they can continue it. And then in November, they continued it. So I put them in. I threw them in at nine. Well, they lost Igor Shosturkin. And I said, oh, now we get to really see what the New York Rangers are made of. Alexander Georgiev is a good goaltender, but he is not Igor Shosturkin. I mean, Shosturkin is a guy that this season is looking for Vezina votes. And he's going to get some. He's going to get a lot, actually. He, I'm not surprised if he'd be in the finals for the Vezina. So the fact that the Rangers, in the past month, after I started to, okay, I'm giving you credit a little bit more. You're definitely one of the top teams in the league. Since Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, I should say, they've only lost five times. And that's already pretty miraculous. I mean, to only lose five games in, what, a month and a half, six weeks? That's an impressive run right there. But then you look at the teams they lost to. They didn't lose to bad teams. They've been beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Their losses have come against the Vegas Golden Knights, the Florida Panthers, the Colorado Avalanche twice, and then Nashville Predators. And even the Predators game was a one to nothing win where UC Soros just stood on his head. UC Soros got a star on this show, one of the three stars of the week, because of that performance against the Rangers. So their five losses are against five really good teams. And that's the only losses in the past six weeks. And again, that's without their all-world goaltender, Igor Shosturkin, for most of it. He's back now. And oh, guess what? He looks really good once again. He hasn't he hasn't missed a beat since he went out with injury. He came back in and he's right back on the Vezina train. So that goes into this as well. I mean, he, he's been really good this year. We talked about Chris Kreider about a month ago that he's scoring goals at a commensurate rate. That's exactly the quote that I had. Well, Chris Kreider now is on the 20-goal plateau, leading the New York Rangers in goal scoring. 20 goals, 31 points. He doesn't lead in points, but he's up there. He's up there with Artemi Panarin, with Mika Zibanejad, who is starting to turn things around, has 11 goals on the season now. He's starting to find his footing. And, of course, Adam Fox, who's trying to go back-to-back in Norris trophy winnings. They're all scoring around a point a game, too. I mean, Adam Fox is over a point a game. Artemi Panarin is over a point a game. And Chris Kreider might not be at a point a game, but he has 20 goals already on the season. So this team, when you talk about their top end, can they go toe-to-toe with anybody else? I believe so. Okay. Goaltending. They have one of the top three goaltenders in the National Hockey League. They can go toe-to-toe with anybody else. Okay. Defensively. I think they can go toe-to-toe with basically anybody else. I mean, you look at Keandre Miller. You look at Jacob Truba. Obviously, Adam Fox is really good up there. This is a defense that is built to do both offensively and defensively extremely well. So that's good. How about your bottom six? Well, when you have a guy... I don't know exactly what their lines are like. I should probably just pull that up. But, I mean, we haven't even mentioned two top five picks in the past five years. Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, because I think Caco's had a better season than Lafreniere, to be completely honest. But it seems like this team, let me, sorry, just pulling up the uh, the lines for the New York Rangers, because it changes all the time, but I want to see what it looks like. So they're not even in the bottom six. Both of those guys are sitting in the top six right now. The lineup currently, Kreider, Zabenejad, Caco, 
Lafreniere, Strom, Goodrow, Hunt, Heedle, Gautier. Okay, there's a uh, no Artemi Panarin in this. I don't know if he, he must have got hurt or something, or maybe he's on the COVID protocol list. I'd have to look that up. I must have missed something with that. But this team is deep. They're ready for the playoffs. I mean, Chris Drury, the general manager, made sure they're ready for the playoffs. And the question to me was, is this even a playoff team yet? Why are we why are we counting our chickens before they hatch? But they look really good right now. And oh, as I'm saying this, for the moment, they sit atop the entire NHL standings as the top team in the National Hockey League. Now, other teams obviously have games in hand, better win percentages. But right now in points, the New York Rangers are the top team in the National Hockey League. They're the number seven team in my power rankings. Number six. The St. Louis Blues are coming off of a nice win in the Winter Classic, 6-2. to two. On the road in the Winter Classic, everybody's showing up in beach attire when it's, was negative 12 in Minneapolis? I mean, this is a team, and on my other podcast, The Tip of the Iceberg, my co-host Nick Horwat said, this is a team that plays for each other. I mean, this is, you see teams that have really good chemistry. This is a team that you always seem to see them being at the top of the league when it comes to liking each other. Now that doesn't do much for winning, but it does play a factor. And a huge win at the Winter Classic is something that could also galvanize a team, get them into the national spotlight, and start to turn some heads. And it's not like the St. Louis Blues have been bad. They won the Stanley Cup in 2019. That's not too long ago. And they have a lot of those pieces still there. So a nice win at the Winter Classic for the St. Louis Blues. They've been winning basically consistently all season long. I move them up one slot from 7 to 6 in these power rankings. Because I'm finally starting to see a lot of these players stepping up in ways that I never expected. Jordan Kairou is the second on this team in scoring. Vladimir Tarasenko, somebody who, during the Stanley Cup Finals last year, it came out that he wanted to trade. He's now leading this team in scoring. He might not still want to be there, but it was never anything against the organization. It was never anything against the city or, or the St. Louis Blues themselves. He just thought he needed a fresh start. He was frustrated because of the way his surgeries were handled. That's what he was upset about. Never anything really on the ice. Maybe that he was taken off the top power play for a time being, but you look at him now, you go out there, you prove it. Yeah, they're going to give you more time. They're going to put you on the power play. And right now he's leading the team in scoring, but you look at everybody else, obviously. David Perron having a good year. Ryan O'Reilly having a pretty good year. Pavel Buchnevich, when he's healthy, is a really good piece for this team. I underestimated that move. Made by Doug Armstrong. Bring in Buchnevich, trading away Sammy Blay. Because after that run to the Stanley Cup Final where Sammy Blay was a rookie, he really wasn't doing much for this team. He really wasn't. I mean, he was a bottom six guy. He does basically what he's doing for the New York Rangers. But the Blues have so many of those type of players that trading him away and bringing in a guy like Pavel Buchnevich, it just added a different dimension to the St. Louis Blues that I think that they, that I didn't know that at the time but I think they really need it and it's really helped them this season. And you look at them now, they're the top team in the central division at this moment because of all of those performances. I mean, Justin Falk, who initially once he came over to St. Louis, people were not happy about because that move essentially pushed out Alex Petrangelo, the captain. People weren't happy. And also Falk was not performing. Now he's playing much, much better. And you look at guys like Colton Pareko, that defense is starting to get to the level that we saw it at in 2019. Because Jordan Bennington, although having a pretty good season, his numbers are pretty good. He doesn't have to stand on his head. There were times the last couple of seasons where if the St. Louis Blues wanted to win a hockey game, Jordan Bennington had to be stellar. 
He hasn't had to be out of his mind good this year. And that's great for the Blues. And it's great for Bennington because it's not going to wear him down by the end of the season. So the St. Louis Blues, again, creeping back up into the power rankings. I, I ha- initially had him at six, put him down at seven last month. They're back up at six. Still need to see a couple steps to have them jump up into that top five. But I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, we're going to finish off the power rankings with five through one. We'll see which teams are at the top of the NHL, in my opinion. We'll be right back after a break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. The Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN, where is it? There it is, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. I always forget that the camera is mirrored, so I always mess that up trying to point to the the graphic there. But we're doing our power rankings here for the month of January, our power rankings 4.0 here at the Hockey Hotbed for the 2021-22 regular season quick recap of where we've been number 10 the calgary flames number nine the minnesota wild number eight the toronto maple leafs number seven the currently top team in hockey the new york rangers number six the st louis blues and now number five number five the washington capitals yeah they've given a little bit of ground to me in my opinion they steadily from the beginning of the season were were moving only upwards so I'm, i'm gonna knock them down a peg here They were at number three in my last iteration. They're now at number five, down two slots. Now, this is not really as much about the way the Washington Capitals have played. It's more about the teams ahead of them. And obviously, I'll get to those four teams now. But the Washington Capitals have kind of leveled off to me. They were above expectations early, and now they've just kind of started to keep pace. It's sort of like when you're going out for a night of drinking, you get started really fast, lots of shots, lots of pre-gaming. And then you just have a drink, maybe one drink per hour. Keep that pace. That's where the Washington Capitals are right now. Now, Ovi is still dominant. They got Nick Backstrom back for a game that he won on the COVID protocol. I don't know if he's quite back yet from the COVID protocol. I haven't seen that. But Ovi is still obviously having a great season. I mean, he just broke, I believe it was last week, he broke the power play goals record of all t- like all-time history in the NHL, most power play goals. So Alexander Ovechkin continues to etch his name into the history books this year and continues to honestly keep pace with, with Connor McDavid, with Leon Dreisaitl, who I talked about earlier. He's having a great season. The Capitals are starting to get a little bit healthier. You know, TJ Oshie's getting back into the lineup. We already talked about Backstrom a little bit. Anthony Mantha, at some point, will rejoin this team. So do I think the Capitals are still a top team in the league? Yeah, of course. That's why they're in the top five of my power rankings. But I do take them down a notch because of the four teams ahead of them, I think, are just playing that much better. And one of them, surprisingly, was not previously ranked for me. So this team has just gotten so good that I've had to put them way up ahead, even ahead of the Washington Capitals, a team that I've thought very highly of all season long. So this is, again, everything that I've said about the Capitals in prior power rankings still holds true. I just moved them back because these other teams just that much better. 
Number four. Previously not ranked. Initially were ranked in the top five. The Vegas Golden Knights. They're back. Cue the Cam Newton graphic. They're back. The Vegas Golden Knights are the top team in the Pacific Division again. They have the most points. This is a team that they're playing the way you expect the Vegas Golden Knights to play. And I've talked about it so many times. It's when is Vegas going to be bad? I don't know. It'll be surprising, and it's going to happen eventually. But the Vegas Golden Knights are back. They're a perennial cup contender. Have been since they entered the league. They're right there again. And a team that is clicking once again on all cylinders. I mean, the return of Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty has just sent a lightning bolt through this franchise. And all of a sudden, they're once again one of the best teams in the league. And all of that without getting great performances from Robin Leonard. Loren Brassois has been pretty good in relief, but Robin Leonard, all in all, has not had a great season. So we know there's more to give from their goaltender. We know there's more to give from their forward core because Jack Eichel has still yet to play a single game for the Vegas Golden Knights. His return is coming. I mean, we're getting we're at the point now where we're within probably a month to six weeks where we're going to start see him practice. We've never seen him on this team. We've never seen him play with players as good as Max Pacioretty, as good as Mark Stone. We've never seen him play on a team this good. What is that going to look like? I don't know. But I think all the other 31 franchises in the NHL should probably be a little bit afraid of what we're about to see. Because Vegas has already gotten right and has already became one of the best teams in the league without him. Imagine when you add him to that fold. There's a 1% chance that it doesn't work out. But there's a 99% chance that this team is going to be the top team in the league. Shortly after he, he, he comes in. They don't even have to make a trade at the deadline. That's their deadline acquisition. I said it when the trade happened. Because I said, considering when he's going to return, this is going to be your trade deadline acquisition. If they add to it, I mean, I don't even know what to say if they add to it. So the Vegas Golden Knights are the fourth best team, in my opinion, in the National Hockey League right now. Number three. Moving them down from their number one spot. There's a new number one in town on the Hockey Hotbed Power Rankings because in December and in November, it was the Florida Panthers. And right now I have the Florida Panthers at number three. They've been to the top of the mountain. Not there anymore. Down two slots to number three for the Florida Panthers. They had a stretch there where they came down way down to reality. We're even playing some pretty bad hockey at points. But then they quietly started to turn it back around, and now they're returning to the form that they had early on in the season, where they were starting to become unstoppable early in the season. Jonathan Huberto, listen, he's not underrated anymore because people understand that he's good, but I don't think people understand that he is one of the top 10 players in the National Hockey League this year. And that still might be not giving him enough credit. He might be top five. This guy is scoring in almost every game for the Panthers. And it's a matter of if he was in any other market, he would get so much more national attention. But he's in Florida, so he doesn't. But I'm here to say that he is one of the top 10, if not top five players in the National Hockey League this season. And he's leading a very solid Florida Panthers team to a really good season. The top of that Atlantic division. I already mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then add on the Florida Panthers. 
Then add on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I will get to in a minute. The top of that Atlantic division is stacked. It's almost a shame that the second seed in that division has to play the third seed because both of those teams will probably, whoever they are, both of those teams will probably be good enough to go to the Stanley Cup. But I'm certainly excited to watch it. I am certainly excited to watch. And then also, I mean, you look at the Atlantic Division. Then you have the Detroit Red Wings. Surprise team, but a really good team this year. And then you have the Boston Bruins, who have games in hand on everybody, it seems like, in the National Hockey League. And are playing pretty decent hockey. Still have the probably the best line in hockey. So the Atlantic Division is tough. And the Florida Panthers have probably, I would say, the most complete team. It's between them and Tampa, who, will, again, we'll get to in a minute. But the Florida Panthers, just from the top to bottom, is just such a good team. I mean, you look at those players, they're all basically underrated. I mean, Alexander Barkov is starting to get a lot more national attention. I already talked about Jonathan Huberto. Sam Bennett, although being suspended currently, does not get enough attention. Sam Reinhart has been really good for them. Anthony Duclair is still underrated for them. Carter Verhage, I mean, does anybody remember the fact that Carter Verhage is probably... One of the top five players on this team. He's probably better than Reinhardt. Probably better than Sam Bennett. So this is a team that I still have question marks when I look at their goaltending. Because although I feel like they have what it takes to be one of the best goaltending duos in the league, Sergei Bobrovsky has still kind of tapered off a little bit. He has great numbers still. A 918 save percentage. I mean, it's hard to refute that, but... Also, Spencer Knight just hasn't had the, the year we expected him to have. I mean, he's only, what, 19, 20 years old, so we can't get too hard on him. But we expected a little bit more from the goaltenders. It hasn't been bad, but there's still a question mark there to me. I need to see more of a sample size to see what they do. But you look at what they've done since the Christmas break. They have wins against the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, two teams that are in my top 10 here. So they've looked good. They've started to, like I said, look like they did at the beginning of the season when they were the best team in the National Hockey League. Number two. Number two, up two spots, the Carolina Hurricanes. I love this team. I love the way they play. I love the way they're constructed. I love the way they're coached. I love the way they, I love their jerseys. I love everything about the Carolina Hurricanes. This is a team that is looking to get over the hump, looking to be the perennial cup contender. They were a surprise a couple years back, that first year of Rod Brindamore, really, wherever they, they, they beat the Capitals in the 2019 playoffs in a seven-game series. They were good there. They were better the next year, embarrassing the New York Rangers in the play-in. They were even better last year. They were a pretty good team. But this year, I just I love how this team is constructed. You know, everywhere from Sebastian Ajo, the addition of Jasperi Kakaniemi, I think was is still a really good move. I, I think people overestimated what he was going to add, but I think he's been a really good addition. Andrei Svechnikov has had a really good season. I mean, Frederick Anderson, a lot of people have kind of taken their eyes off of him because in the first month he was the goaltender of the month. He was absolutely phenomenal. He still had a very good season. Antti Ranta in relief has been really good for them. And then let's not forget they have the former coach of the year in Rod Brindamore there. This team is just, they play such a such a fun style of hockey, and they do it so well. 
that it's going to be hard to slow them down. I also really like their defense. Ethan Bear was, was a fantastic addition. I mean, you look at that trade, Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. They trade from a surplus in forward for Carolina for a guy on the defensive end that's there to help out because they lost Dougie Hamilton. That is a huge loss. They lost one of the top defensemen in the league. And they did it. They replaced him the smart way. We're not going to replace him with one player. We're going to add a couple of players that's going to help. Ian Cole has been a great addition for them defensively. Obviously, I already mentioned Ethan Bear. Tony D'Angelo has kept his wits about him off the ice, which has led to him being a little bit better on the ice as well. So the Carolina Hurricanes are doing a lot of things right. Right now, they currently sit, I believe, tied for second in the Metropolitan Division. But they have games in hand on both Washington and New York. This is the best team in the Metro. The Carolina Hurricanes are the best team in the Metropolitan Division. And if they had to go in a best of seven with anybody else in that division, I'm picking the Carolina Hurricanes. That's It's a simple fact. So the Hurricanes are number two, but who is number one? Number one. The top team, in my opinion, as of January 4th, 2022, is the team that has been the top team the past two years, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. In December, I finally dropped them just a little bit, and then they shut me up by going out there, winning 9 of 10. They've had a little losing streak here, losing three straight, but they're still such a good team. They, as well as everybody else in the league, have dealt with COVID issues, and that's what you're seeing right now. Two of those three losses that they've had, back-to-back-to-back. They didn't have Andre Vasilevsky. They had, who was in net for them? I believe it was uh, Maxime Lagasse was in net for them when they came out of the COVID br- or the Christmas break, which is, I guess, also the COVID break. So now they get Vasilevsky back. He's out of the protocol. He had one game played, and of course, that was on Monday night. They got embarrassed by the New York Rangers in New York, a team that is clicking on all cylinders, that is now at the top of the National Hockey League, and it was Vasilevsky's first game back. He had a bad game. But you look at this team. They got Braden Point back last week. That's huge. You know, getting Vasilevsky back into the swing of things, he's going to turn it around and be a lot better than he showed on Monday night. And this team, you can't keep him down in the rankings for long. You can't keep him down in the standings for long. This team, once again, is a massive threat to take home Lord Stanley's Cup. They're the top team in my power rankings back where they began. Because remember, at the beginning of the season, the first one of these, I had the Tampa Bay Lightning at number one. Since then, it had been the Florida Panthers. And now it's, once again, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the top team in the hockey hotbed power rankings. This time, 4.0 for the month of January 2022. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back on Friday with an interview. I know I promised an interview in today's episode, but we had to push back due to scheduling conflicts. We will have interviews with Shane Ryan of the Sens Hour and with Neil Villapiano of the Devil State of Mind podcast coming up on Friday's episode. And also, as we always do, a three stars of the week. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good week, hockey fans. We'll see you on Friday. 